Welcome to In the Middle of It. I'm Amy Kelly, and I am passionate about supporting you on the front lines with your middle schoolers. As a former middle school teacher myself and a parent to two teens of my own, I get the roller coaster season that you're in. That crazy making, joy inspiring, incredibly fun, and sometimes frustrating ride of loving the teens in your life. Each week, I'm going to be sharing actionable stories and strategies to encourage and equip you on your journey. If you're a parent or a teacher who's looking to forge a connection that lets your teens know they are seen, heard, and loved, and if you are ready to show up as the grown-up they need, you are in absolutely the right place. Let's get started. Well, hey there, friends. I am so excited that you're with me today as I share the last part of my conversation with Erica Wright. The first half of this conversation is featured in the previous episode. So if you didn't catch that, I highly recommend that you start there. Or you can jump into any one of the episodes where Erica and I talk about all the things around relationships and connected communication. Now, if you haven't met Erica yet, let me do a quick introduction. She works primarily with couples, coaching them on how to communicate for connection. Her strategies and her mindsets are so aligned with what we do here at In the Middle of It, which is really why I am so excited for y'all to get to know her. So today, we're continuing our conversation about feeling all the feels, and we're going to go into what it looks like to encourage our middle schoolers to feel all of their feels and how to regulate those big emotions. So let's jump in. Mm-hmm. I think, and we talked a little bit about this again before we started recording. I think for us, I'm not sure how you felt growing up, but I know for me, our parents didn't have the tools to be no. able to talk about this. And no, and I yeah. think it's so developmentally appropriate for teens to react, be very reactive emotionally. Yeah. But then for those emotions to be a tangled ball yeah. mess where maybe they can't pick up the thread and say, okay, here's what I'm feeling. So they yeah. don't have trouble identifying it. And I know for my parents, they just wanted to solve it. Yes. Right? Just and fix so, it, get back so, to happy. Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of times it was, don't feel that way. Don't feel that mm-hmm. way. And so then I would feel like, how do I even, how do I not <laughs> feel that way. It was just this hard place of feeling like I wasn't allowed to feel that way. And maybe there's something wrong with me because I do. And why can't I stop? And that whole thing with our teens, I know one of the things, and and actually I started this when they were really little is trying to give them language around, okay, it looks like you're feeling really sad, or it looks like you're feeling really jealous right now of your friend who has that, or looks like you're feeling whatever and try yeah. to give them language around identifying that feeling and emotion so that I feel like when you name it, you can move through it. Right. Yeah. And, and sometimes you just have to sit there with it. And even if you can't name, I'm feeling inadequate, I'm feeling disrespected. If you can't name those, you can name the body sensations again. Uh, yes. You get, yes. Yeah. This is, you've gone back to this a couple of times in yeah. different conversations and I love this piece of it. Tell me more. This is the kind of terminology around this is like somatic work. It's coming back into our body, being familiar with our body, exploring what actually is going on because all an emotion is, is just a vibration flowing through our body. Some of them feel good and some of them feel not so good. When you can start to observe yourself experiencing, say the emotion of sadness, if your kid is in the tangled web of emotion and, but it's like, okay, so well, what's going on in your body? Do you have a heavy heart? Does it feel like there's a 
pit in your stomach? Does it feel like your throat is all tensed up? Do you feel tingling at the back of your head? What's actually physically going on? And this practice is a practice of presence, again, presence in your body, and then also processing of emotion. What it teaches your kids and yourself, if you want to practice this, is that no emotion is scary or unsafe. You're just boiling it down to, okay, the feeling even of anxiety, whatever it is for you, a tightness in my chest. Okay. I feel something going up my back. I feel tension behind my eyes. When you can really boil down the feeling of anxiety, it stops being so scary. I'm even thinking of fear in fear, itself. Yeah. Like for what are sure. you where are you feeling fear in your body? Like, yeah. Are you unsafe or totally? And this is a fun fact that I think most of you can agree with is that when you actually name this body sensations of fear, they're very similar to excitement. I have heard this. <laughs> I've heard that fear is excitement without breath. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, the sweatiness in the palms, heart pumping. They are similar sensations. It's the thoughts that you're having that actually separate fear from excitement. I'm just thinking too, as a parent, even with my teens right now, when I taught school, it was called the closest thing I can think that's similar to it would call it a talk aloud or something like that, where you're reading a book, but you're talking about what's going on in your brain as you're reading Ooh, it. And so very cool with emotions, I would say like being able to talk to your teens, talk through and say, you know, this happened today and I am feeling my chest just tightened and I felt like there was a rock on top of it and I couldn't breathe. And I realized that I was feeling a lot of shame around this thing that happened. But then I realized talking through yeah. or even as you're experiencing it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what a powerful thing to model to your teens, to your kids, how to walk through those emotions and be with yeah. them and acknowledge yeah. them, even honor them. Because I feel like when you don't let yourself move through it, you mm -hmm. stay stuck in it and it's yeah. in your body. Emotions get stored in the body unless we view with them, process and release them. They show up as aches and pains or breakouts or dis-ease, anxiety, depression. Yeah, definitely. They yeah. do in the moment with your teens too. And going back to um, one of our previous episodes on repair in the moment, when you notice you're triggered in the moment, it's like taking that deep, deep breath just to slow down the response that you're having and come back into the presence of your body to actually tune in and be with that emotion before you say the next thing or react yes. to them. It just slows, it maximizes the moment between stimulus and response. Oh my gosh, and I am putting this together. This may be pie in the sky to be able to do in the moment, but yeah, thinking about if you were able in that moment of conflict or stress to take that breath, but yeah. then also take the time to catalog out loud, you know, you take the deep breath and oh, my shoulders are feeling tight and you're just going down the list, like yes. start at the top of your head and move down your body and yeah. say it out loud. And that also is giving you the couple of extra seconds grounding reactions and how strong that would be. Yes. As far as modeling to your kids. Oh my I gosh. I know that I could pull that off though. <laughs> totally, totally. And the other thing that I've found too, with many of my one-on-one -on -one clients is that I'll make a suggestion like that. And they're like, oh my God, but they're just going to eye roll at me and be like, mom, like ugh, stop being so whatever. That is very developmentally appropriate and normal response from a teen 
watching you process your emotion. Absolutely. And that gets into something that I was thinking about a second ago, which is it's a gift to us as, and to our teens when we can let them feel their emotions, because that can go wrong, no matter which side of it you're on. So if you yeah. don't want to let them feel their emotions, it's too uncomfortable for you. So you're trying to shut them down. That's not healthy if you're doing it in a negative way. But if you're trying to appease or yeah. to fix it because you're uncomfortable with them being upset or uncomfortable or whatever, that's not a good place to be in either. And no. I think I'm talking the other end of the spectrum where you don't want them to feel any negative emotions. Yeah. You're trying as to like a protection. Them. Yes. I think for me as a parent, remembering that it's okay for them to feel the unpleasant emotions. And it's actually a good thing yes. to let them do that because you're there with them as a resource and you as, can, and you can co-regulate with co -regulate them as well. with them because a kid who hasn't felt any pain or mm -hmm. struggled, I think they're going to have a lot harder time adulting than yes. someone who yes. has had to go through the process yeah. of regulating and watching their parents and being helped by their parents to regulate because right. that's not real life. It might be in their bubble at home or whatever, but once you're out of that, yes. I think it's a disservice to them to not let them feel those things. I always say life's 50, 50 and it's the light, the dark, the yin, the yang, the good, the bad, if you want to put it that way. And we fluctuate, we go through seasons of it, but really life's 50, 50 feeling good and feeling crappy. <laughs> and so if you have the tools to be with and process the not so great emotions, what else you got it going on, right? right. This is the emotional intelligence and emotional maturity that is such buzzwords right now that weren't just even a generation ago. That was not really too much of a thing, but having that emotional maturity, emotional intelligence, being able to tune in, name, observe, and feel that's the name of the game. Cause if you can be with any emotion, nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you because it's totally. all normalized and you just yes. know to move through it. For parents struggling with watching their kids feel sad or watching their kids be all angry toward them and not taking on that emotion. An analogy I have to paint that picture is emotions are like the wind in the sense the wind might come at you and you like feel it against your skin, but it doesn't actually enter your body. You can sense it, but it doesn't enter your body. You don't turn into the wind similar to your child's emotion. Let's say it's anger. You can feel that wind of anger and it might be directed at you, but it doesn't actually enter your body unless you have a thought that then triggers that emotion for yourself in your body. Right. As you're describing that, I'm thinking, cause I do feel like, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. Mm -hmm. I would say I'm a sensitive person in the pot in all the good ways, but then yeah. in all the challenging ways too. Yeah. And part of that for me, and I haven't ever really sat down and examined the thoughts behind this, but yeah. I think part of that for me is I've had to work really hard to not absorb the energy of the people around me. I feel like mm -hmm. I'm very sensitive to that, yeah. susceptible to that. So I've had to practice that a lot. So I'm curious to hear what you have to say about that. And then what would you say to parents who have kids who maybe are like I am 
how to help them regulate emotionally and really have that energy boundary there. The term empath that gets used, you feel other people's emotions, you take on other people's emotions. It's an interesting thing. And it's what works for you. What interpretation of all that works for you? Does it work for you that you could just walk by someone and they're having a bad day and now you just have an awful day as well? Does that work? for you. So I would say for me, no, that doesn't, because it's usually people I'm in relationship with saying that out loud makes me think, huh, codependent tendencies there. Yes. From a young age, I definitely learned to take on if mom was upset, then that affects me. I would take it on. And that's the terminology I like to use is you don't need to take on somebody else's emotion. If you're in the habit of taking on others emotion, this is easier said than done. And it is a practice. And it's energetic boundaries. It truly is energetic boundaries because somebody can walk in and there's a vibe. Say your partner comes home, they had an awful day at work and they're just like mm, moody stomping around the house. You can pick up on what their emotion might be, but it's still their emotion. Yes. It's not your emotion unless you take it on, unless you start having thoughts about, oh my God, they must've had such an awful day. And oh no, now dinner's going to be awful because blah, blah, blah. Your thoughts are going to then, yes, you might feel a similar emotion in your body. However, because we have control over our thoughts, we get to choose our thoughts. And again, even saying that, I'm like, sometimes our thoughts just pop in our head. We're not actively choosing them. In fact, most of the time, they're just flowing on in. We do have the power to notice where our thoughts are going, observe our thoughts, and then redirect, shift our attention elsewhere. Because a shift in attention is going to be a shift in emotional experience as well. So I like to feel like I have the power. I'm responsible for my emotions. I don't necessarily like the idea of, oh, I can just walk by somebody or my kid comes home or my partner comes home and now I'm just an empath and I just immediately take on their emotions. That doesn't really work for me. (laughs) It's just not effective in my life, but it is effective to be like, oh, I can see how their energy is impacting me. And I can see how I can actually put up an energetic boundary and choose what I'm going to focus on in the moment. Right. And I think what works for me is understanding that I own it. This is a choice and this is something I can have control over as far as my thoughts and my mindset on things. Totally. Sensitivity is such a beautiful thing. Again, you hear, oh, you're so sensitive or stop being so sensitive or whatever it is. That's just not helpful. And in fact, sensitivity is such a beautiful skill set because from that sensitivity is where we can attune to the people that we love and pick up on, oh my gosh, maybe your kid doesn't say anything, but you can tell something slightly off over there. That attunement, that sensitivity to the people we love is God, what an amazing skill set. So it's gold, I think, as far as understanding and seeing people, really seeing them. But I think like all superpowers, there are the challenges that you have. Oh my gosh, for sure. All such helpful stuff, Erica. Thank you so much. And one last question for you. When your team is experiencing big emotions, which they often do because that's super developmentally appropriate, what advice would you have for parents as far as helping them regulate that? Because our energies do affect one another, we're not necessarily taking on the exact emotion that's coming from that person's body. But yes, we impact each other. We can co-regulate. I mean, this is something new moms and infants are doing from a very young age. In the moment, if a teen is feeling a big energy, the 
best way you can help them is actually, well, definitely not to take on that emotion and absorb that emotion, right? Because then now you're just fueling the fire back and forth. And that can get interesting when you're actually taking on emotion, because then it's like they're reacting to you reacting and things can escalate quickly. So what it can look like, again, taking that breath, it doesn't even matter what's going on. Your kid could be throwing a tantrum, but literally coming back to you, taking that breath, coming back to your body because this groundedness and this inner peace, it all comes from presence and refocusing on your body because otherwise our mind can get wrapped up at what's going on over there and ah, and how am I included and all the meaning making and thought stream, but taking that one deep breath super slowly for me, it's like starting to just even feel the sensation in my fingertips, just coming back to my body, letting that person over there, that teen react. They're doing whatever they're doing. But if you can stay calm, cool, and collected, your energy will impact them back, right? Instead of fueling the fire with more, let's say it's anger, then your calm and peace will have a grounding effect on them as well. As you're saying that, I'm thinking there are some teens who will keep pushing Mm-hmm. to see if they can get you to share their energy level. Yeah. I think that that's very developmentally appropriate to yep. you. So being able to maintain that calm energy, take those deep breaths. Sometimes it's not going to be immediate. You're going to have to persevere. And you were talking about wind a minute ago. It might be a gale force hurricane yeah. <laughs> those level bursts of energy, but it's so important to be able to stay yeah. in that calm. Totally. Not unaffected, but just regulated. Depending on the age of the child, that might also look like excusing yourself. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, taking taking a break. Time out. Definitely. Another thing that I was thinking about as far as this energy exchange and helping kids regulate is even going back to when my kids were toddlers and if they fall, where if the mom freaks out, then the kid freaks out. And it's not that you go to the kid and say, oh, you're okay. You're okay. Everything's fine. And their knee is bleeding or whatever, but it's just like, okay, let's take a look. And that must've hurt buddy affirming and all those things. But I think it's the same with our teens, the way that we respond often dictates whether we're escalating or de-escalating. There's that in-between middle way of you're not invalidating them, but you're also not Take You're not taking it on. I'll share a story that is actually so sad, but it really paints this picture perfectly of a parent reacting versus not reacting. And a mom was holding a toddler and walked by a door and she knocked on it, but the kid kind of thought maybe he hit his head and she goes, Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm so sorry. And the kid just is in tears instantly, like thinking something's wrong here. Oh my God. Did I just hit my head? So sad. I think she did it again where she walked by, did the knock and just kept smiling and talking to the baby and no reaction. Again, those mirror neurons fire at all ages. We have them till we die. The fear, your fear, your anger, your emotional state will impact those around you. I feel like we're closing this out at something that I feel like I say a lot here, which is it's us we're managing first. We have to manage us Mm -hmm. first Mm -hmm. before we look at our teams. Absolutely. It all starts here with you. And I can feel overwhelming. It could feel like, oh my God, I'm the only one because your team doesn't have all this information. Your partner might not have all this information and you do, and it could feel like this big burden. But when we really come back to it, it's such a beautiful 
gift and blessing to have this information. Otherwise you're just stuck in the chaos of life. And I think that too, I'm just going to jump in here with a quick little plug, because I think that's why having community is so very important in this context. And so I'm going to be talking a lot about that. I am going to have a masterclass that's going to deal with some of that. Mm -hmm. If you would like information on that, I have in my show notes, a place where you can get on my waiting list to be part of that free masterclass that I can be offering. Amazing. That it's also a focus of mine. I'm going to be launching my first group coaching program as well. Talk to us a little bit about that. Tell us about what your offerings are and just know everyone that I have Erica's links and all her information in my show notes that you can go and check out, but tell us a little bit about that. Beginning of February, I'm going to be launching a six week group coaching program and it's going to be intimate probably 10 people just cutting it off at that just because I love just being able to have the intimacy and really go deep with fewer people. But the focus is really going to be on you coming back to you and getting clear on what really matters for you and what do you want to create in your relationship, in your family, in your life and giving the space to be witnessed and witness. And we feel so alone so much. And connection is this need that pops up over and over and over again. I'm just realizing I have all these individual one-on-one clients, but what's missing right now is community. Just opening that space. Even though COVID is iffy right now, but Mm -hmm. I think over the past two years with the lack of being able to be in person-to-person community, I think it's really highlighted for so many of us how important it is and how necessary it is. Yeah. It's easy to forget. And one little piece that really highlighted this for me was there was a study done with a hundred couples. And one of the questions was, what do you truly deeply want and need the most? And it was consistent across the board that these hundred couples, they said, we need better communication tactics. We need better date nights. The one thing that they all said that they really needed was to know that they're not alone. Yes. I know. Cause we just think, oh, we're in this struggle. We're fighting. We're bickering. Like we think we're the only ones and we try to hide it and look good and pretend like everything's Mm. fine. Everything is not fine half the time. (laughs) Right. It's not more that 30, 30, 30 cycle of relationship. There's 60% where we are disconnected and then repairing and it's perfectly normal. We're all in this together. We're all about the normalizing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Erica. I just cannot tell you how much it means that you've been here and all the things that you've shared are just so practical and applicable. And I just hope everybody that's listening will check you out and use the links on my show notes page to find where you are. And I'll have links to all your socials as well. Um, That's one of the things that I have loved about Erica that I follow her on Instagram and pretty much everything you've put out there. I'm like, yep. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Oh, just truth dropping and vulnerability. It's at the right Erica, both on Instagram and TikTok. So you can find yes. me there. And by right, it's your last name, right? Yes. W-R-I-G-H-T. Right, right? Yes. So right. I love the play on words. Very clever. Yes. Yeah. All right. Thank yeah. you so much. And thank I'm you, sure Amy. we will be talking to you again. It's oh my goodness. Yes, I hope so. I'll come back anytime. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Have thank a good you. one. Bye. Bye. You too.
Thank you so much, Erica. I am so grateful for all that you've shared with us over the past few episodes. And friends, if you would like to work with Erica, and I highly recommend her, obviously, as she's been on the show so many times, or if you just want to hang out with her on Instagram, you can find links to all of her information in the show notes for this episode at theishgirl.com forward slash EP154. And just a quick reminder as well, um, you can also sign up to be notified about my free masterclass and when you can register for that. I'm going to be opening that up in April. So I hope you will join me for that. And again, you can find all that in the show notes. Now, speaking of connecting with you guys, Erica and I would love to hear how you and your middle schoolers are doing as you feel all the feels. So we'd love for you guys to reach out to us on Instagram. You can shoot us a DM or tag us in a post so that we know what your takeaways are from our conversations. All right. Thank you again for spending part of your day with me. I just love hanging out with you. From an ish girl who is so grateful that I got to hang out with my oldest this week as he spent part of his spring break with us. I am so glad to be in the middle of it together. 